football uh, the football segment of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate what's up man so all right today for uh, this football uh, fanatics podcast so we're just going to talk about um just some of the recent news in the nfl uh and you know how it affects uh, the different teams how it affects fantasy going forward um and then we're just going to jump into a, a really early uh, top 12 running back ranking. Um, I'm going to share my top 12 uh, RBs and uh, Nate will do the same. And we'll just have a discussion about why we feel like these are our top 12 um, rankings. Uh, so let's just hop right into it. Um, starting off with some big news that happened this week. J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals. I know the Cardinals weren't originally uh, in the reports as a team that was pursuing him, but he did end up signing there. Um, and it's a two-year deal worth uh, $31 million, 23 of it guaranteed. So he did get uh, a large amount of money um, for being a veteran. Um, and I guess, um, you know, just looking at it, it seems like that he did pick a good team, uh, a team that's, you know, uh, up and coming. And I guess... Overall, what do you think about this move? I think it was a pretty uh, good move as the Cardinals, uh, they do need someone who can kind of, I guess, stop the pass a little bit. And adding someone like J.J. Watt, who's a really good pass rusher, that's like one of the things that uh, kind of helps. But I feel like that, I'm not sure if that'll be enough to go higher than like, for example, like, 10th ranked defense in the league though considering how good all the other defenses in the nfl are right now yeah i'm even just looking within that division you got the la rams who were a top five defense last year uh the san francisco 49ers who were the number one defense two years ago and they had a lot of injuries this year and then uh, looking at seattle and they had um, one of the best pass rushes uh, in the league last year i mean their defensive coverage might not have been as good but they are pretty decent defense and then you look at the cardinals um I mean, there's a lot of tough defenses even in that division so it's going to be tough yeah for sure i feel like if you're in a shallow league like a really shallow league then maybe if you you feel like you want to kind of go for a more offense oriented fantasy team you can kind of try to pick up the cardinals at like kind of a later round maybe yeah, and a lot of times the Cardinals could be a team where you, you play them off the waiver week to week. I know sometimes if there's not really a specific defense that I like um, or I didn't go for a defense early, I might play the waiver every week and just sort of play a defense that's up against, you know, a, a lesser team, uh, like stuff like that. Because, um, like, I, I don't know, in, in terms of the Cardinals' defense, um, as of right now, I just don't see them really as a – a defense that it's going to be worth drafting. I guess we'll have to see with free agency in the draft uh, who they get. I mean, there has been rumors of them potentially pursuing Patriots corner, Stefan Gilmore. Maybe they'll re-sign Patrick Peterson. Um, I, but I, I know they'll definitely need to add a few more pieces um, to sort of be considered in, in that level. But in, in terms of draft wise, I think that, like you said, they're for, for uh, shallow or standard leagues, they're, they're not really going to be on the radar. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and um, just a, another thought. I mean, J.J. Watt's a solid player. He's had a solid career. But just, I, I don't know, signing him to $31 million for two years with 23 guaranteed. Um, at his age, I'm just kind of confused as to why they spent that much money on him, um, knowing that, like, uh, you know, they, they could have, you know, maybe a younger option that they could sign for a little bit cheaper. And normally, um, I, I guess there's a lot of risk coming with that, like, you know, being an older player, there's higher injury risk. Um, maybe the production might not be there. Um, like another thing is that uh, both him and Chandler Jones play most of their snaps on the left side edge of the line. So one of them is going to have to either move to the right side or they won't be able to play at the same time. So that's another issue they might uh, run into. Um, I, I guess that that's just a few uh, things that I've listed um, I don't know what you think about that contract. Two years, 31 million, 23 guaranteed. I mean, JJ Watt is like, a, he's kind of like a superstar on the defensive end. So maybe it's because he's such a big name. That's the reason why they decided to get him. It's kind of like he's avail he's available. So why would you not take him? But at the same time, I feel like, uh, I guess kind of rounding out the defensive roster would be more important than trying to get someone even as good as he is yeah and i mean it's almost like they paid him as like the three-time uh defensive player of the year but uh in reality he's not that same player anymore i mean he's a good defensive player but he's not at the level of a three-time defensive player of the year someone like maybe his brother tj maybe a guy like aaron donald khalil mack those are like the main uh, guys that you you might consider some of the best defensive players in the game and i know jj He's a good defensive player, but he's still not at that level that he once was. Yeah, I agree with that. And then just, I guess, using this as a sort of a comparison uh, as we move on uh, to the next bit of news uh, with Kyle Vannoy getting um, released from the Miami Dolphins. I mean, he was a veteran. They signed him to a big uh, money deal, a four-year 51 million uh, contract um, and then they just uh, cut him after the first year so I guess that's the risk with signing such a big deal I mean he was coming off a Super Bowl win with the Patriots um, and then he headed to free agency and he got paid nicely by the Dolphins but then they needed to free up some cap space and then they just cut him so I, I don't know uh, if maybe they uh, next summer uh, if the Cardinals feel like they need to free up cap space JJ might get cut after the first year. That's that's an issue that I see with this contract. It's possible, unfortunately. I mean, he is getting a lot of guaranteed money, so it's not, I guess, like from JJ Watts, and it's still like, it's not going to be like the worst thing in the world if he does end up getting cut. But I guess from like, for example, the Cardinal side, it's like, if you're just going to cut him, then why did you draft? I mean, why did you pick him up? Right. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing too, about like Van Oy. Uh He got a lot of guaranteed money as well. I believe 20 to 30 million, uh, somewhere in between there. Uh, a lot of that was guaranteed out of the 51 million. So he is still getting uh, a large portion of that contract. Um, and and uh, the one thing about Van Oy is that, uh, him having that guaranteed money, he can now go sign somewhere for less, maybe on a, a contending team, or maybe 
he wants to return to the Patriots. I know Bill Belichick, a lot of times uh, he'll let um, major players go from the team just because he doesn't want to sign them to big deals. And then maybe they sign somewhere else um, on a big deal. Then the other team will release them because of the amount of money. And then they'll come back to the Patriots on maybe a cheaper deal. So, I mean, as a Patriots fan, I loved Vanoy uh, when he played. Uh, he was always solid there. Um on the line for the Patriots. And I mean, um, with all of the defensive struggles last year, especially stopping the run, he's definitely a guy that Bill Belichick went out, signed him to, you know, uh, uh, might not be a vet's minimum, but maybe just a little bit more than that. I I'd be pretty happy having him back. I mean, it's possible. We'll see how he, I guess, feels about that. And especially if he feels like he wants to go on a playoff run with the Patriots, maybe. Yeah, I mean, um, it would definitely be a step uh, forward um, in terms of the Patriots getting back to the playoffs. I mean, um, the most logical place for Van Oy would be to, you know, come back to New England. It's a place where he's uh, familiar with. He knows Bill Belichick, the coaching staff, the owner, Robert Kraft. And I, I mean, I, I guess the main reason that the Dolphins cut him because maybe uh, he wasn't going to start and they were paying him a lot of money. So, I mean, if he comes back to New England, he's probably going to get a, a starting role there. Um, and I think it would just be probably the most logical place for Van Oy to go after this release. Yeah, it's, pos it's definitely more than possible, I'd say. Yeah, and... Um, I guess just speaking of the Patriots, another guy that was also rumored uh, going there um, was Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he was released uh, this week uh, by the Vikings. He had played there for 10 years. Um, and I guess uh, them having Irv Smith Jr., uh, they just felt confident uh, with Smith as the tight end that they released Kyle Rudolph. And um, they did uh, talk to Rudolph about signing with the Patriots and it really seems like that he might be interested in, in uh, coming uh, to new England. And I mean, Hey, um, since Gronk left, the, the Pats have just had trouble getting tight end production. So I think Rudolph would be a guy, I mean, he is a veteran, but I mean, he would, he can still produce right at the tight end position. So um, I, I think it'd be a great signing for new England. I don't know what you think about that. Well, I mean, tight ends in general are hard to come by and like i think kyle rudolph is pretty decent as a tight end um he only got 37 targets for this season and he only played 12 games so i think especially if he's fully healthy and they give him a decent amount of targets he should be really good for the patriots yeah i think um health was one of the issues this year for him in terms of getting targets uh, the focus on the run game was another issue. And then just Irv Smith being sort of the number one guy going forward, that was probably the third issue for him not getting targets. So with the, if he signs with the Patriots, um, the only issue there would be the, the run focus. Targets would still be there. And it's not like there would be someone ahead of him on the depth chart. So, I mean, like that, I, I think it would be a great, um, role for him there in New England um, he's a great run blocker and I know New England uh, with guys like Damian Harris uh, whether or not they keep James White Sony Michelle uh, they, they have some good running backs um, he, he can really do a good job blocking for the run game um, he, he can produce like we saw him in the playoffs uh, last season uh, with the Vikings when they eliminated the Saints on his late touchdown there I believe it was in overtime 
Um, so he can produce when they need him to. He's made some fantastic catches in his years with uh, the Vikings. So, uh, I mean, uh, if he doesn't sign with New England, uh, just off the top of your head, uh, do you think there's another team that maybe really needs a tight end that might be able to offer him a, a contract? I mean, it's hard to say a, st- a team specifically, but I feel like any team would would need him. I think he's good enough that like any any team in general who kind of like sees him would want to pick him up. Yeah, I think even as like a run blocker, you know, like any team, even a, a team with a star tight end like a Kansas City or a San Francisco, I mean, you can always be used as a run blocker. He won't get to start. I know uh, New England would definitely be one of those places where he could start maybe a team like Pittsburgh. Cause I know Vance McDonald, I believe he's retired. So Pittsburgh might be just off the top of my head. One, another option. Um, but yeah, uh, just uh, if he wants uh, to produce somewhere, if he wants to be a starting tight end, there's definitely some teams that would definitely be open for his services. I think, especially if there's like teams that like to run two tight end sets, then if you have, have him, on your team you could run some two tight end sets with them yeah i know san francisco is definitely one of the teams that likes to do that i know chicago's definitely been a team i i don't know whether he'd sign in the same division that has to be seen um but yeah i, I guess just some of those teams you know they like to run two tight ends like you said yeah and i, th- I think it could work out as well uh over there um and yeah i just uh, taking a look at um the the washington football team uh it's projected that they are going to release Alex Smith. Uh, it says they'll be saving around 15 million when they release Alex Smith. Um, and I guess just, um, he, he was a great uh, quarterback. I know he was definitely one of those guys you could just pick up off the wire in fantasy and plug in in good matchups and he'd, he'd produce. Um, so, you know, maybe if, if there's a team that, that would want him, whether to start, whether to be a veteran backup, whether to, you know, fight for the starting job, potentially. Um, I think there'd be a lot of teams out there. Um, It seems like he's fully recovered from that uh, gruesome injury that he suffered. So I guess, uh, Nate, just off the top of your head, um, where's a place that you think that you might like to see Alex Smith next season? I was thinking maybe the Chicago Bears. Again, it depends on um, how healthy Alex Smith is. But I believe in his 2017 season, he did throw for 4,000 yards. In his 2018 season, he only played for 10 games and he only threw for 2,000 yards. But if he's fully healthy, maybe you can see like a 2,500-yard game from him, which would be pretty decent, I think. Yeah, and I I can agree with you. Chicago really seems like a an interesting place for him to sign. Um, I mean, if he really uh, doesn't mind being maybe a a 1b or like a, a backup like like maybe a place like indianapolis you know they just got carson wentz uh maybe you add that veteran guy like alex smith back there you know in case whether Wentz struggles early or you know i guess just to be sort of that uh mentor there for carson wentz uh, indianapolis could be a team um maybe a team like the saints might take a gamble on him you know um you know, him being a, an older quarterback like Drew Brees, maybe they, they'd play a similar style uh, in the system. Uh, maybe a team like New England might, you know, just take a look at him, you know, if they don't want to bring back Cam Newton or if Jimmy Garoppolo is not available, maybe someone like Alex Smith could fit. And then maybe 
I guess a team like the Bengals, you know, in, in case um, Joe Burrow doesn't start the season on time, you need at least a guy that can start. Maybe Alex Smith might be a fit there. Yeah. And I know there's uh, some people have uh, said uh, maybe the Jaguars, you can have him and Trevor Lawrence if it's possible. I don't know if that's going to happen because uh, Alex Smith does have a pretty large contract, but we'll see. Yeah, I know people talk about, oh, Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for one year. But in terms of Trevor Lawrence, he's the first overall draft pick. He's not sitting behind anyone. Um, if he's going to start this season, at this coming season at some point, like even if he sits for like the first three or four games, he's not going to be sitting the whole season. I just don't see it. Um, the Jaguars have invested too much into getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence. So when he is inevitably drafted, um, you know, it, it just seems like he's going to start it at some point. So, um, I mean, maybe Jacksonville is possible. Um, they said that he does have a good relationship with the new coach there, Urban Meyer, as um, you know, they, he was Alex Smith's coach in college. So, I mean, it is possible. I guess we'll just have to see uh, how, how everything works out uh, for that. Yeah. Again, Alex Smith is like one of those players that's, he could fit on like almost any team. I feel like he's experienced enough that even if it's like not a system he usually plays, I think he has enough experience to be able to kind of learn a system and kind of just kind of go with it. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way for sure. Um, you know, every team can always uh, use an upgrade, um, whether a team's looking for a fill-in starter or maybe an upgrade at the backup position. Um, I mean, Alex Smith could do both, in, in my opinion. So. Um, I mean, I, I even said it last year. Um, I know I was talking to a few of you guys and I was like at the beginning of the year, Washington football team will make the playoffs. If I, I, I even said they'll win the division if Alex Smith is their starting quarterback because I've seen him play. I know what he can do. And I mean, they brought him in as the starter midway through the season and he took this team to the playoffs. Uh, I mean, he couldn't play in the playoffs because of injury, but I mean, he did the necessary work to get them there. So I think he's a very solid quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Like, like he is probably not going to throw for 4,000 yards again. But even if he gets like, for example, like, I don't know, 70% of that, that's still just like right that's under 3,000. Yeah, that's like really solid. So again, Alex Smith is like, you can't really sleep on him. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just moving to uh, just one more um, bit of news here. Uh, the Giants parted ways uh, with a couple uh, starters. Um, wide receiver Golden Tate and linebacker David Mayo were released. Um, and it's expected that the Giants will save about $8.4 in cap. So I, I guess that was just sort of a move. They're, they're two veteran guys. Uh, I guess they want to go younger at wide receiver, I guess, with guys uh, like Sterling Shepard um, and, you know, uh, others uh, on the team. Um, they might even draft a wide receiver. I know Darius Slayton was solid for them this year. Um, and then in terms of linebackers, um, they might also look for one in the draft as well. Um, but uh, in, in terms of uh, mainly Golden Tate, um, I guess just off of the top of your head, uh, where's a place that he could go, you know, as a veteran uh, receiver, maybe, maybe to – whether he's not a number one receiver, he might be like a number two or a number three. I guess, where, where do you see a landing spot for him? 
It's kind of, I guess, tough to say because it depends on his contract size as well. I think if he's willing to take a bit of a pay cut, he could probably play anywhere. I feel like he just did, didn't have enough um, targets this season. Uh, but yeah, not not really any names are coming off the top off the top of my head right now. But um, I believe that if uh, depending on um, how much of a cut he's willing to take, he could probably play anywhere as well. Yeah, I think you're you're right about that. He's definitely gonna have to take a pay cut. Um, and I think at his age, he might need to do some kind of tryout. He might need to sign for like a vet's minimum, something like that. I don't know, just maybe a team like Chicago, maybe the Jets. I guess those are just some teams off the top of my head that might be fits. I mean, those, those are just a couple just teams uh, that I might think that, okay, they might give him a shot. Um, I know some people said maybe he might go back to Detroit, but I just don't see it. Um, I think Detroit is moving in a different direction. I don't think that he he would be a good fit there. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, I guess just any team that needs more depth, I guess, could just make a run at him. Yeah. I feel like since he's, he's not like that old, but he is like aging. So if he kind of wants to make a run at like maybe um, a, a ring or something, maybe he can kind of join a team that's, I guess like a play a playoff team or a playoff potential team kind of take a little bit of a pay cut and kind of just kind of go from there. Yeah, um that that could be a possibility. I guess we'll just have to see um where he goes. There's going to be a lot more releases apparently coming um within this next week. So I know definitely next week's episode will have a lot of news to sort of update uh uh sort of update the landscape of of the nfl but um yeah it was it was really interesting uh, looking at some of these signings and i guess just speculating where we think each one of these uh, players will go yeah uh this is a pretty interesting i guess free agency this offseason and i think there are some i guess there are free agents that i don't i don't think people really expected yeah, it's just the the whole salary cap situation, you know, with the the whole uh, shutdown. Um, I guess just worldwide among all the sports leagues, uh, leagues are losing money, so the salary caps have sort of been frozen, which has really hurt teams that were expecting the cap to go up. So they're having to cut players. I think that's sort of where we're at, and we'll we'll see a lot of releases because of that. Yeah, I was wondering since I guess. We don't know when everything is kind of going to go back to, I guess, normal. What will that ever happen? Um, I guess I was just wondering about your thoughts kind of going forward, how players are going to kind of adjust because you can't just keep asking for a bigger, a bigger contract if the money's tight. Uh, what I've been hearing is that players on their contracts are deferring the money to later in the contract so that uh, like for this year, the contract will be a bit less so that they can stay under the cap. And then they expect the cap to increase in the future. So then they're deferring all that money to later in the deal. I know in the NFL, you can sort of restructure contracts like that. So I think that's sort of what players are doing. I know some teams have come up to players and asked them to restructure their deal. And I think Kyle Vanoy was one of those people that was released because he really... Um, 
like I I don't know what they were asking him to do, but I guess he didn't feel like it was correct, and then maybe they released him. I don't I don't know the full details on that, but but yeah, I think a, a lot of that is done. Um, I guess just to ensure that teams stay under the cap. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things that's kind of like, um, especially in the NFL, players are not as secure. It is um, a a rough sport, it's a full contact sport, so. I guess they are they are kind of worried about like where money's coming from sometimes. So I guess we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then just moving into our next segment of the podcast, uh, Nate and I will be coming to you guys with our top 12 running backs heading into the 2021 fantasy season. Um, these running backs will be based on half point PPR scoring format, which is now the default for Yahoo leagues, uh, which, uh, we cover. Uh, so, um, just hopping into it, um, Nate and I will have different lists. I uh, will talk about why we feel like these running backs are in our top 12s and then, uh, just, you know, just bouncing uh, different information off of each other and just sort of giving, um, I, I guess, um, specific reasons why we feel like we would take uh, one running back over another, uh, uh, I guess, in the order from one to 12. So Nate, uh, I'll start with you. Um, you can list out your top three and you can just talk about them. And then um, I can talk about my top three and then we'll, we'll just discuss ours and then we'll move through. So uh, who are your top three? Uh, in your running backs? Uh, by top three are Christian McCaffrey, Alvin, Kamara, and Dalvin Cook. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I put him first because of, I feel like he has the highest upside out of all the running backs in, in the league right now. Um, he only played three games. Um, he was injured for pretty much the entire season, but from the three games that he was playing, it looks like he was going to kind of eclipse his stat line. Um, in 2019, he had, I think it was 25.8 fantasy points per game. And in 2020, just based on the three games he had, um, he was kind of outpacing that. He was having 27.3 fantasy points per game. Um, I think before the 2020 season, he had over 1,000 rushing yards two times, and he had over 600 receiving yards pretty much every season before 2020. And his 2019 stat line was uh, 1,387 rushing yards, 1,005 receiving yards. I think he had 15 rushing touchdowns and four reception touchdowns. And again, he was on pace to kind of exceed that just by the way he was playing. So I think even if um, he doesn't um, eclipse that because he is coming off an in- injury, let's just say he's not at 100%. Um, even if he got like um, under 25 fantasy points per game, let's say he got like 24, 23, that's still like number number one out of all the running backs. I think um, Alvin Kamara, he had 22.4 fantasy points per game. And he was the he was the number one running back in terms of I think total fantasy points, so that's why I put um, Christian McCaffrey number one, and I put Alvin Kamara number two because um, he he did finish um, first in the 2020 season in terms of total fantasy points. He had 336.3 fantasy points, um, 
He's really good at uh, running and he's really good at catching. He had uh, 932 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns. He had 756 reception yards and five reception touchdowns. Um, I decided to compare him to Dalvin Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook did have a higher fantasy points per game, but um, Alvin Kamara was able to kind of stay healthier for longer. So um, that's kind of another fact factor to kind of look into for running backs. Some of some um, running backs are more consistent, but they just can't. Um, they can't stay as healthy as like other running backs who are, they get have like a lower fantasy point per game, but they're in for like the entire season. So their total fantasy points goes up. So I decided to put um, Dalvin Cook third because of that. Um, he still has um, really high upside. Uh, he has, I think for the 2020 season, he got uh, 1,557 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns. He got uh, 361 reception yards and uh, one reception touchdown, and he had 22.6 fantasy points per game. So him and Kamara are very close, but uh, because I feel like uh, Kamara is better at kind of staying in for, for longer in terms of like how the whole season goes. So I decided to put uh, Kamara over Delvin Cook. Yeah, um, and then uh, in terms of my top three, I definitely agree with you with Christian McCaffrey being number one. I mean, if he's healthy over a full season, um, which he has been in the past, um, he's really the only player I could see that could go over a 1,000 in both rushing and receiving yards. He did that two years ago. He had over a 1,000 rush yards and over a 1,000 receiving yards, and then sort of um, you, you, I know some people might say, oh, but Derrick Henry had over 2,000 yards as well. But the thing is, it, for half PPR, um, the I know Christian McCaffrey had over 100 receptions two years ago. So that's like what? If it's 100 receptions, that's 50 points right there over the whole season added to that rushing total, which blows Derrick Henry out of the water. Um, so definitely, um, and then like you mentioned, uh, the rushing touchdowns, uh, the receiving touchdowns for Christian McCaffrey, it's all there. So, um, he's, there's no question that he's going to be the number one drafted, uh, running back, um, until he stops producing like this. Um, we saw his rate of production last year. Like you said, it was still pretty much the best in the league, even though he only did play like what, three games in the year. Um, so he's definitely the unquestioned number one uh, draft pick. Um, I mean, all of these running backs always have health concerns. Running back is that sort of position where there's a lot of injuries. So you can't just say, well, I'm not going to draft McCaffrey just because he was injured last year. It doesn't work like that. Uh, he's the unquestioned number one and a half PPR for me. And then for number two, um, I actually have Dalvin Cook there. And um, I'll explain why. Um, like you said, Dalvin Cook, most consistent running back last year. We talked about him in the awards. Um, he was just solid over the whole year. There was a, a, a portion uh, of the year where he was just straight dominant. Um, he really uh, uh, sort of took the league by storm. And I know Kamara caught up with those big uh, playoff weeks at the end um, and ended up winning the 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 fantasy the most fantasy points for running backs but um i i just feel like dalvin cook um in that 
um, Viking system. I know I had questions about it last year, you know, a uh, new, new offensive coordinator coming in, how is it going to work and cook even produced better than he did the year before the year before was sort of his breakout year, but last year he just produced better than that. And it seems to be that he's going to be in that same system. So um, I feel like that he's just that sort of running back um, at number two, you're looking for a, a safe pick. I mean, as they say, um, in the in the first round of the fantasy draft, um, you can't win a draft in the first round, but you can definitely lose a draft in the first round if you don't draft properly. And I think that he's definitely the most consistent guy um, uh, out of maybe the top five. So I think definitely um, upside for McCaffrey, but Cook would be my second. And then third, like I said, um, is Alvin Kamara. Um, the reason I don't have him above Dalvin Cook is because uh, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be this year for the Saints. Um, I know when Drew Brees was out of the lineup, he really struggled. So if Drew Brees does decide to retire, uh, we don't know whether it's going to be Taysom Hill, uh, Jameis Winston, or another quarterback in that system. So we don't know what Kamara's role is going to be. Uh, it'll probably be a similar role, but we don't know how he's going to produce. So um, in terms of talent-wise, um, he's definitely up there uh, with the other two. But in terms of his role, um, I'm not 100% sure he can keep up with Dalvin Cook, um, just depending on who uh, his quarterback is. He's definitely um, has more upside than Dalvin Cook, in my opinion, just depending um, uh, on what role they, they utilize him because he, he, he can just play in, in any part of the field um, just as a solid. I mean, he can even catch like a wide receiver. Um, he's just a solid running back. So uh, I guess that's my top three. And that's sort of my reason why I have those guys one, two, three. Uh, so let me go to you for four, five, six, unless you have something else to talk about. Um, That's pretty much it. I just wanted to reiterate, like, even if Christian McCaffrey's not at 100%, he's probably still going to be the best running back in the league. I think the offense revolves around him in Carolina. So until that's not the case, he's definitely the unquestioned number one. Yeah. And I guess, I guess role's probably going to be um, kind of going into four or five and six. I put um, Derek Henry at four. Um, he did have the most rushing yards in 2020. He had 2,037 rushing yards. And he had 17 um, touchdowns, just like Dalvin Cook did. But the major difference is Dalvin Cook had 16 rushing touchdowns and one reception touchdown. And Derrick Henry had 17 rushing touchdowns. In terms of receptions, he only had 114 yards and he had no reception touchdowns. So in terms of of the run, like we've, we've been saying earlier like in this in the season, uh, you can't really stop Derrick Henry consistently. Um, his his role is just to punch holes through the defense, and he's really good at what he does. And the only only issue is, especially with half PPR, you need to be able to run and catch. And because like it's not like he it's not that he can't catch. It's just that his role is to punch holes through the defense. So you're not gonna really expect to see Derrick Henry. Um, getting a lot of receptions. He's mostly going to get rushing touchdowns just like he did um, last season. But you can't really you can't really go above four if you're not um, getting elite numbers in rushing and catching. So I guess 
just because he's the best rusher in the league, he is number four, but I wouldn't put him any higher than that. And then number five, um, Bar- Saquon Barkley. Uh, he did play only two games. He was injured for the entire season. Um, I guess I decided to kind of look at his earlier seasons because uh, he didn't have a chance to kind of prove himself in 2020. So I decided to kind of look at his 2018 season because that I think that was this season where he played um, all 16 games. So he had 21.3 fantasy points per game. And he had uh, 1,307 rush yards, 11 rushing touchdowns, 721 reception yards, and four reception touchdowns. So that's basically uh, 15 touchdowns. And in his 2019 season, he got only 16.8 fantasy points per game. He had 1,003 rushing yards with six rushing touchdowns, 438 reception yards, and two reception touchdowns. So in terms of ups, upside, there is a chance that he might uh, be better than Derrick Henry, but it depends on if he's 100% or not. Um, I'm not sure if he'd be 100%, so I'd say like maybe he'd get like 19 fantasy points per game just as kind of like speculation. I don't know for sure. So that's why I put him at number five. And at, I put Nick Chubb at number six for like kind of, a similar reason to Derrick Henry. Um, he's really good at he's good, really good at rushing. He can catch, but again, that's not his role. His role is to punch holes through lines. So uh, that's kind of another problem for Nick Chubb. Even though um, he did only play twelve games this season, I think he was injured in the midseason. Um there's a chance that he could uh, do even better than he did, I think, this uh, last past season. Um, he got 16.6 fantasy points per game uh, this season, but I think he could get higher than that. Um, he had 1,067 rush yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. And he had uh, 150 rece- uh, reception yards, but he didn't get any reception touchdowns. Um, he is good at uh, running and uh, getting to the end zone as w- as well, but again, it's his running's not enough to to go uh, past the people who are higher than him. If he wanted to, like for example, beat Saquon Barkley, he'd have to pull a Derrick Henry and get like two thousand rushing yards. I'm not entirely sure that he'd be able to do that. Two thousand rushing yards is uh, really it's a really steep mountain to climb. Um, I guess the Browns in me wants to say that it's possible, but again, I'm just trying to kind of be a little bit, kind of just try to temper my expectations a little bit, say that let's, let's say that he has a good season, but he doesn't necessarily have like the best, his, his best season, he would probably be behind Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, definitely agree with a lot of those points. Um, Derrick Henry's also number four for me. Oh, and the reason I'm putting him over Saquon Barkley is that uh, he's had proven production and he's less injury prone than Saquon Barkley has been over his career, just as of what we've seen. 
Um, the Tennessee Titans also commit to the run. Their entire offense is around the running game and around Derrick Henry. Uh, even though the uh, offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who's now the head coach of the Falcons, uh, is gone from the Titans. Um, head coach Mike Vrabel, um, he knows uh, King Henry is the offense for that team. So no matter who comes in to be the offensive coordinator there, um, this team will always be focused on the run. Uh, we saw that last year when there was a change in OC with um, the Vikings, that Derek, uh, that Dalvin Cook was still the focal point of that offense. And we should still see that from Derrick Henry. So that 2,000 yards, although he might not get to 2,000 this season, uh, he should still be pretty close to it. And I mean, the touchdowns are always there for Henry. So he's definitely my fourth option. In PPR, he might be below Saquon Barkley, but in half PPR, I, I think that Henry can still hold off Barkley in terms of production. Um, yeah, I do have Saquon Barkley at fifth also. Um, like you mentioned, he does have a lot of upside. Could he finish as the number one? Um, it's possible maybe if there's an injury uh, to someone in the top three, um, maybe if McCaffrey uh, drops back uh, in terms of production and, and Barkley just explodes, uh, that is possible. The only reason I have him at fifth is because the offensive line has been a problem uh, with the New York Giants for many years now. Um, I mean, at the beginning of this season, he was just losing yards consistently. Like you said, you had to go to past seasons for production this year. Um, I mean, he would have to break three or four tackles just to even get to the line of scrimmage. So when he's losing yards like that consistently, it's just so tough for, for fantasy owners. And I mean, like, yeah, he just hasn't been healthy. Maybe it's because he's taking all of these hits. Uh, I have no idea. But uh, assuming Barkley's healthy and the line does get a little bit better, it should. I know they are going to address it in the draft most likely. Um, yeah, he should definitely be a top five uh, running back just with his overall talent. Um, just getting the the amount of um, rushing uh, attempts that he's going to get, just being that guy there for the Giants. I know it, uh, Devontae Freeman most likely won't come back. Uh, I don't know about Wayne Gallman as well, but Barkley's the guy there. Everyone knows it. He was drafted second overall in his draft year. Um, the, he's definitely that guy going forward. And um, yeah, he should be taken in the top five. And the reason I take him over Nick Chubb, who I have at sixth, is because of Nick Chubb having to split um, carries with Kareem Hunt. And with this year, Kareem Hunt having a lot of the goal line carries as well. That's one thing that I did notice is that, um, you know, Saquon's always going to have those goal line carries uh, with, with the Giants. So he's going to have more uh, touchdown touchdown upside. Um, and um, it, that might not be the opportunity with Chubb. Chubb's going to have to break away uh, touchdown runs. Um, a lot of the time, um, I mean, if they are at the one yard line, they might give it to him, but um, it's going to be a little tough. But uh, also for Nick Chubb, you didn't mention that he did miss some time this year. So definitely his offensive numbers would have been better if he had played the full 16 games. Um, but yeah, um, Nick Chubb, just with his production on the ground, uh, he can't be any lower than sixth, in my opinion. Um, he's still that lead back there. I don't see Kareem Hunt taking that from him anytime soon. When Chubb was out of the lineup, the Browns missed his production. Um, he's always been solid. He even makes Kareem Hunt better when he's in the lineup. So um, I know you went over all of his stats. Um, he's, he's always a solid pick. Um, he's going to get you solid production on the ground. Like you said, through the air, maybe they could use him a little bit more. 
I know they have Kareem Hunt for that, but if Kareem Hunt ever went down with an injury, I mean, Nick Chubb's a top five running back, in my opinion. Um, he might even be a top three running back. So, um, yeah, his ceiling, uh, I mean, who knows, right? Uh, Nick Chubb is that talented. You know that as a Browns fan. Uh, you, you watch him play all the time. Um, I can confidently say that he's a top-end running back talent in the league. Um, and he's definitely the sixth um, running back for me. Yeah, when it comes to Nick Chubb, I've heard some Browns fans say that he could potentially be the best uh, running back just based on the amount of talent that he has. And we were we were kind of expect, expecting that to happen a little bit, but didn't really work out that way. I think just in terms of um, numbers, he's not he's not necessarily going to, I guess, get the amount of uh, production as the top three just because of, like you said, he does have to um, split split the carries with Kareem Hunt. But in terms of talent, he is top five for sure. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Kareem Hunt's very talented, but I think Nick Chubb is really at that next level. He just... Uh, j- just by watching him run, just by by watching him um, break tackles, um, stretch uh, the field with those long runs that he does. Uh, I mean, he he's just been he's just been great overall, um, and I think that definitely um, his production has been solid uh, because um, the Browns have really focused uh, with Stefanski's offense at um, you know getting the run going. I know Stefanski did that um, with the uh, Minnesota Vikings and uh, we saw the breakout of Dalvin Cook. Then he goes over to the Browns. We see the breakout of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So um, as long as Stefanski's that head coach, um, you'll see production uh, from Nick Chubb. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just going to my next three, um, I've got Ezekiel Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, and Aaron Jones. Um, I put Ezekiel Elliott at seventh. Um, I think in most he got I think nine hundred and seventy nine rushing yards and six touchdowns and three hundred and thirty eight reception yards and two touchdowns. Um, he does have the potential to kind of go, um over 20 fantasy points per game but he did uh take a step a step back even uh without uh Dak Prescott getting hurt but with Dak coming back his uh production will increase so he does have a very high ceiling this season uh but I think we're going to have to see just how high his ceiling will be I'm not sure if I would take him above like Nick Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry or uh, Saquon Barkley or any anybody higher higher than that, mostly because we we haven't seen if Ezekiel uh, Elliott can kind of go back to how he used to be, but he does have a very high ceiling. And for Jonathan Taylor, he did play 15 games this season. Uh, he had 15.7 fantasy points per game as a rookie. He had 1,169 rushing yards with 11 rushing touchdowns and 299 reception yards and one touchdown. And uh, Carson Wentz is going to the Colts. So I feel like that's going to increase the production of the entire team. And so naturally that would kind of trickle down to Jonathan Taylor as well. And for ninth, I put Aaron Jones. 
he did have a better fantasy season than Jonathan Taylor. He had 16.8 fantasy points per game, uh, 1,104 rushing yards with nine rushing touchdowns and 355 reception yards with two reception touchdowns. The only reason why I put him below Jonathan Taylor is mostly because of, I guess, just the questions in free agency. We don't know if he's staying in Green Bay for sure or is he going to leave. Um, His production is still going to be really good, but his upside is, I would say it's going to be lower depending on where where he goes or if he stays. Um, his highest fantasy points per game was in 2019, I believe. He got, I think, 18.1 fantasy points per game. Um, I, th- I feel like jo- Jonathan Taylor might be able to kind of um, break that. And I'm not sure if Aaron Jones would be able to break 18.1 fantasy points per game again. So that's why I put Aaron Jones under Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. All right. Um, yeah, um, those are uh, the three guys that I have for my next three, but I have them in a different order. Um, so at seventh, I have Jonathan Taylor. And the reason I have him at seventh is because of that sort of stretch he had at the end of the season. Uh, that came when he was uh, the established number one. I know it took him a few weeks to sort of fit into the system. I know he wasn't running as well at the beginning of the season and slowly he became the running back that everyone saw there at the end. And I believe that that's the running back um, that we're going to continue to see going into next season. And he sort of has that upside to be that workhorse running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He's got a solid offensive line. Um, He's got, uh, I mean, uh, just a solid uh, play caller in Frank Reich um, you know, with a new quarterback and Carson Wentz coming there, one of Wentz's issues was there was no solid run game to accompany him in Philadelphia. Um, all of those worries go away with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who's a solid runner. Um, it looks like Marlon Mack might not be back next year. Um, and Nynam Hines is just going to be that third down guy that he normally is. But Jonathan Taylor is the lead back for that team. I expect uh, him to get most of the carries there. And uh, I believe that w- we just saw a glimpse of, of what Jonathan Taylor can be last year. And I, I really see him uh, being higher than Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who I have at eighth. Uh, I know you mentioned that he was good when uh, Dak Prescott was there, but uh, we saw this offensive line deteriorate, deteriorate over the year. Um, and uh, I guess his production just dropped as the season went along. Um, so um, also Dak Prescott could leave uh, in free agency. It is possible that he doesn't re-sign with the Cowboys. So I guess there's just a lot of question marks around Elliott. I feel like there's less question marks around Jonathan Taylor, which is why I have him above Elliott. Could Elliott get the same production as Taylor? Absolutely. Um, but I, I feel like right now, um, if I was drafting, I would take Jonathan Taylor over Ezekiel Elliott. I feel like there's less questions and there's more answers and there's more upside. So I, I like that for Jonathan Taylor. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's still solid, though. Um, he's had multiple seasons, over 1,000 rushing yards. Um, uh, of course, Dallas paid him. He, he deserved uh, the contract that he got um, for, the project, for the production that he does. Also, um, you know, um, he, he's, uh, I guess uh, he did struggle last year, um, but they're still going to go to him as sort of that, that top guy. And if Prescott does come back, I mean, he could vault himself into the top five. Uh, I could easily see it, um, you know, just um, 
just being relied on. Um, and if the defense improves, then uh, Dallas will go to the run game more. So that, that would definitely benefit Elliott as well. Um, and then I also have Aaron Jones at ninth. Uh, I know a lot of people slept on him last year and he, he really proved them wrong. Um, so if he does stay in Green Bay, I think ninth is about where he sits. Um, his ceiling could go higher if he if he leaves in free agency. If he goes to a team maybe like the Miami Dolphins have been rumored. Um, definitely on a team like the Dolphins, he could definitely move into maybe the, the top eight, maybe even the top five um, with his production because he has had solid production in the past. He's been a top five running back before in fantasy. So I don't doubt that Aaron Jones could be that player for another team. But like you said, in Green Bay, I think his ceiling might be a little capped there. Uh, with the way that the offense is run. Uh, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing for over 40 touchdowns this year is another thing. Um, not all of those are, are like, the not all of those receiving touchdowns are going to Aaron Jones, right? So um, he relies more on the rushing touchdowns. So I, I know that um, A.J. Dillon's coming up as well. Uh, you still have um, Jamal Williams there. So there are running backs pushing him for for touches. So that, that's another issue why he isn't a little bit higher. Uh, his his production definitely would warrant him being higher, but just sort of that situation he's in, I don't feel like he's higher. So I kind of have him uh, in the same place as you. Um, I want to just get to number 10 before we move to 11 and 12. I have Austin Eckler. I believe you also have Austin Eckler. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, just uh, since uh, it's a similarity for us, uh, I just wanted to talk about him. Um, I have him at number 10. Um, he was injured for a large portion of last year, but he is the guy for the Chargers. Uh, this offense looks electric uh, with Justin Herbert being there. And of course, this is half PPR. So Austin Eckler is one of the best receiving running backs in the league. He, he always gets a ton of catches every year. Um, and so he'll he'll get you both yards on the ground and through the air. Um, and they also love to use him in the red zone as well. So it's pretty much a win all-win all situation. I know he doesn't really have that upside uh, as all the, the guys above him, which is why I have him at number 10. Um, I, I just don't see him having that upside. Maybe he could move maybe 6th or 7th at best uh, to finish the year uh, if he has a really good year. But I, I feel like 10th is, is sort of the right spot for him. I don't know. Maybe um, you might have an explanation as, as to why you think he's there as well. Um, it's pretty similar. I'm not sure if I would put him over anybody else from like, uh, one to nine. I know he did only play 10, 10 games. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's really hard to, hard to say. Um, he did get, I think 530 rushing yards out of 10 games and 403 reception yards. And, uh, like you said, because this is very throw heavy team and because he is a reception heavy running back that's going to benefit him a lot and he does have a lot of upside if he's healthy i'm not sure if he'd have as much upside as i guess the people above him so it's just there's not not like too much certainty with austin eckler to kind of put him over i guess the other guys um, yeah, and also the Chargers have an entire new coaching staff. That's that's another thing that I'm not confident with. I'm I don't know what his role is going to be. Um, if he does go into a timeshare somehow, that could hurt him. 
Um, if he is the starter, he might not be used as much as he has been in the past. So sort of that uncertainty, like I talked about, um, you know, um, with uh, some other guys like Ezekiel Elliott, like Alvin Kamara, sort of uncertainty makes me a little lower on guys. Like you had Kamara at two, I was a little more uncertain, so I had him at three. You had Elliott at seven, I was a little uncertain, so I had him at eight. Um, the same goes for Eckler. Um, if we were more certain on him, maybe he would be around eight or ninth. But there's just that uncertain uncertainty for me, uh, which is why I have him uh, at number 10. Um, but but just moving into number 11 and 12, um, uh, I know both of us have two different guys there. Uh, I have Miles Sanders at 11 and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 12. And, and you have two other guys. So maybe just explain uh, who your two guys are and why you'd have them over uh, the two that I have at uh, number 11 and 12. So at number 11, I put um, James Robinson. At number 12, I put Josh Jacobs. I'll talk about, I guess, James Robinson first. Um, he had 14.3 fantasy points per game. He had 1,070 rushing yards with seven rushing touchdowns and 238 reception yards with zero touchdowns. Uh, I guess, like we said before, uh, it looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars will draft Trevor Lawrence. And I feel like he has some potential upside if, uh, Trevor Lawrence decides to kind of throw the ball the ball to James Robinson. And I put Josh Jacobs at 12th, uh, mainly because he did finish 8th in total fantasy points in 2020. Um, he had 214.8 total fantasy points. Uh, he did have 1,065 rushing yards, 238 reception yards, and zero touchdowns, I believe. Um, he's a consistently good um, running back. He normally gets 14 fantasy points per game, but he is on the Raiders, so he does have a lower upside than kind of the rest of the people on my list. Um, I did put him over Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Solaire because I felt like uh, both of both James Robinson and Josh Jacobs, I felt like they could kind of produce at a more consistent rate than Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards Zolaire. Um, with Miles Sanders, be, I'm just not certain about their kind of quarterback situation, how their offense is going to work out. So I wasn't sure whether to put him in the top 12. And for Clyde Edwards Zolaire, um, I guess we've seen uh, Patrick Mahomes, he likes to be the entire offense. He likes to run and he likes to pass. And I feel like that kind of hmm. cuts into uh, Clyde Edwards-Solaire's uh, production. I mean, he has the talent to be top 12, but the thing is like, if your quarterback is doing your job for you, there's like not a lot you can do. Yeah, uh, that's the thing um, about the Chiefs this year is they were very past heavy. Um, let me just get to uh, why I have Miles Sanders at number uh, 11 first. Um, uh, I, I was just looking back at last year and um, just taking a look at Miles Sanders. Um, when Jalen Hurts came in as the quarterback, um, Sanders was healthy. I know he was uh, very in and out of the lineup earlier in the year. Um, I believe he missed like around three or four games. Um, but when Jalen Hurts came into the lineup, uh, his production just went through the roof. Uh, Sanders, uh, he had an average uh, of close to 20 fantasy points per game. 
So I, I feel like that it, the way the offense was structured, um, just the way Jalen Hurts played quarterback, just the way uh, they wanted to run the offense, I feel like that Miles Sanders can definitely be that workhorse running back um, that he was projected to be last season. Um, the, the whole situation uh, with Carson Wentz being the quarterback, the offensive line being banged up and so on, uh, that sort of affected him earlier in the year, plus all of the injuries that he, he went through. But I mean, uh, just taking a look at some of his half PPR stats from, from games uh, that he did play, I mean, um, against the Rams, 18 fantasy points, against the Bengals, 12 fantasy points, just going down. Pittsburgh, he had 22 fantasy points. He had 11 against Baltimore. Uh, 12.5 against the Jets. Um, and then uh, sort of where Jalen Hurts came in, uh, he had points uh, 27.6. Uh, then he had 9.5 and 16.4. So, I mean, he had some solid totals, even with a bad offensive line um, and just a bad quarterback play, bad play calling, whatever you might want to say, whether he was banged up. So assuming he's 100%, assuming um, he's still in that offense with Jalen Hurts, uh, he's definitely a top 12 running back for me. Um, why I put him over James Robinson, uh, we don't know what the running back situation in Jacksonville is going to look like next year. Um, Robinson was sort of that fill-in guy. This year, we don't know whether they're going to move on from him. We don't know whether it's going to be a timeshare there. Um, I know they worked him into the ground this year in terms of production. Um he just looks so worn out at the end of the year. So if they step his workload back a little bit, I feel like his production may drop as well. Um, and I guess uh, they were just so run heavy last year because they really couldn't get anything done through the air. So throwing the ball more this year might decrease uh, James Robinson's production. Um, so which is why I don't have him in the top 12. And then uh, why I have Stan Sanders over Josh Jacobs. I feel like that um, Sanders has more upside than Jacobs. I know Jacobs, we sort of seen um, his ceiling um, as a runner um, for a team like the Raiders. Um, he's just hovering around that 1,000 yard rushing mark. Um, he's just sort of like he has like borderline top 12 potential, but I feel like that uh, he, he's just, he doesn't have that sort of upside that Miles Sanders has. Um, and I guess uh, another thing for the Raiders is they always seem to have a third down back um, uh, there, uh, whether it's Washington, whether it's Richard, whether it was uh, someone else. So um, he's not really a, a true three down back uh, in terms of his production. And with Sanders, uh, he's a guy that they'll be using first down, second down, third down, fourth down. Um, he's going to get a lot of usage. So I feel like that's what puts him over someone like Josh Jacobs for me. And then just going to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, this is just me saying um, his production was um, pretty good last year, um, being in a timeshare role with guys like Daryl Williams and Le'Veon Bell, and with him having an injury, and with them not using the run game as much as they should, and with him um, not scoring on a lot of his goal line opportunities. Um, it might just be a rookie thing. Uh, we don't know. Um, so if some of those touchdowns had gone through, um, and if he had been treated as that workhorse running back that I know that he is based on his talent, uh, he would have been a top five running back last year uh, in terms of his production. So um, just looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, they didn't look well-rounded in the Super Bowl. They, the only way they really generated offense was through that running game. We saw what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did there. Um, and if they can sort of establish that run game this season, um, even if they get a guy like Damian Williams back, I know he opted out. Um, uh, I don't think they're going to re-sign Le'Veon Bell. 
I don't know if Daryl Williams is going to stay, but in, just in terms of production, um, the guy there now is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They, they spent a first round draft pick on him last year. Um, he just has the talent. Um, I mean, we saw glimpses of him just breaking tackles last year, um, him using uh, different spin moves, uh, him just being able to niftily get through defenders. Um, and then the red zone production will come. Uh, it'll take him some time. But if he gets that red zone production uh, going, um, he could be a top 10 running back. And I, like I said, with these two guys I have at 11 and 12, I took guys that I feel like have more upside. So I feel like Edwards Hilaire in the proper role has more upside than a guy like James Robinson um, and more upside than a guy like Josh Jacobs. It's just over his projected role, uh, especially if Kansas City loses uh, pass catchers like Sammy Watkins, whether they lose a guy like Demarcus Robinson, um, you know, uh, whatever the case might be. Um, uh, you know, I, I just see Clyde Edwards Hilaire growing into a bigger role. It, it'll be his second season, so he'll be more accustomed to the offense. So I, I just see him having uh, that higher upside uh, as a runner compared to the other two. I don't know what you think about that. I think in terms of talent, um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's definitely more talented than Josh Jacobs. I think he's more talented than James Robinson, too. Uh, we just need Patrick Mahomes to kind of dial it back and let him do his do his job and try not to kind of do the job for him because uh, Clyde Edwards Teller is there to kind of take pressure off you. You don't you don't have to do the run. You can just focus on passing, and the uh, the entire offense will open up. Like I'm pretty sure Patrick Mahomes knows this. It's just that he's so talented that you know it kind of just kind of just happens on the field, but. Um, we'll, we'll see for sure, um, how, how far into his talent that, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is able to tap into. Yeah. Like, uh, for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, out of the games that he played, um, like most of them were over 10 points. I think he only had, uh, like when he was healthy, um, he only had three games under 10, uh, PP, uh, half point PPR points, um, in the season. So. Um, in my opinion, that's very solid. Um, he only had one game over 20 points. That's the only thing that concerned me. And that was with him um, splitting and just not being uh, one of the main focal points of the offense. So um, with limited touches, um, like uh, he didn't even have over 26 touches the whole season. So he, if his touches go up by even just a little bit, if he can get to 30 touches a game, he can definitely be a game breaker for this team. And I definitely see him growing into a role in this offense. And uh, I actually see him um, uh, like, I mean, most of these games uh, he was working with like, what, like 10 to 15 touches a game. Um, even if they just give him five more touches per game, uh, I feel like he's a top 12 running back. No question. Uh, that That's just the way I see it. So um, definitely has the upside. He can definitely grow into it. We'll just have to see sort of what Kansas City does this offseason in terms of their running backs. Yeah, I feel like if they kind of improve their line a little a little bit more, not that like the Kansas City line is bad or anything. It's just that... They had a lot of injuries. Uh, yeah, they did have a lot of injuries. Uh, there's They need to find a way to kind of protect Patrick Mahomes if it's possible. It'll probably be be easier if the line can stay healthy, but I feel like if Patrick Mahomes feels more comfortable, then we'll probably see more running from Clyde Edwards-Solaire. 
Yeah, I can definitely uh, see that happening. And um, just in terms of talent-wise, there's no way that he's not the number one back for this team next year. Um, he, I mean, he was going in the top 12, not in terms of running backs, but in terms of overall players last year in drafts. So he was going very high. Uh, pe- uh, he didn't necessarily meet those expectations, but he did get injured at the end of the year. There was a partial timeshare halfway through the year. I know he was definitely within the top 12 running backs before Le'Veon Bell was acquired. That I know for sure. He was in the top 12. So um, assuming he has the number one role there, he is a top 12 uh, running back um, in, in my opinion. And um, I guess that's sort of uh, the way I see it. Um, I don't know any last thoughts, just maybe on our top twelves. Um, anything else on running backs? I guess. Um, I guess just in running backs for sure. Um, I guess I was just wondering about uh, if you have any 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 tips for our viewers. Um, I guess uh, if they want to do their their fantasy maybe they don't have the best pick so they might need kind of someone who's i guess lower maybe from eight eight to twelve uh i guess what are your what's your advice for them so um you're saying like um in terms of where these running backs might go in a draft yeah yeah so um i I really haven't browsed over like my wide receiver and my tight end rankings to see, I guess, where they might go on like a big board. But I guess just looking at sort of the top uh, 12 running backs, um, my advice in fantasy, um, I know I've done the the two wide receiver in the first two rounds before, and it's never worked out for me. Um, I, just in terms of a draft, I have to take one running back in at least the first or second round of my draft. So if you, um, let's, let's just say you like, um, Devonte Adams, um, and you take him as a wide receiver in your first round, so just, let's just say you have a mid first round pick and you take Devonte Adams, you got to come back in that second round with a running back. Um, I'd say most likely, um, the top five, um, running backs are going to go within the top, like six or seven, uh, players in the draft. Um, so if you don't get one of those, um, guys like uh, Chubb, um, maybe down to Aaron Jones, they might go in the top 12. So you might see nine running backs go in the top 12 of the draft, maybe uh, like two wide receivers and maybe a tight end might be the other players going in that first round. And then maybe in the second round, guys like Austin Eckler. Um, and then for me, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, for you, um, James Robinson, uh, Josh Jacobs, are, those guys are sort of your second round guys. So let's just say there's about 14 running backs that we've covered today. Um, those 14 running backs should be going in the first two rounds of 12 team drafts. There's no question for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like for, um, I guess like drafting two wide receivers, I feel like that's, that's very risky because uh, running backs are like so consistent and with like wide receivers, it's like they, there are more wide wide receivers in half PPR than like any other position. So it's like, it, it feels like you should just keep drafting wide receivers, but I don't know. It there's, there's like the steady production is not there. Yeah. Yeah. There's days when they do amazing. Then there's days when they just choke and then you're like, what happened? And I guess like, sometimes I like to draft a tight end early. If, 
I know that they're going to be available. I don't, you don't want to like reach too far, but if you, if, if it's for example, like someone like George Kittle, like maybe you could like reach for them if it's reasonable. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But if you're taking someone like George Kill or Travis Kelsey in the f- first or second round, that other draft pick that you make needs to be a running back, I feel like. If you go receiver, tight end, or receiver, receiver, I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like that um, in PPR, maybe, but in half PPR, definitely not. You need a running back with, in the first two rounds. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, I I agree. Uh, running backs are like the I think they're the most consistent um, position in fantasy. So that's mostly the reason why they're they're so high. I feel like every every year it's usually a running back that's like top twelve. Yeah, um, the the running back, like you said, most consistent position. Um, and then uh, usually um, a guy you take uh, in the f- in the first two rounds, unless they get injured, they, they usually finish uh, within the top 12 to 15 running backs by the end of the year. So um, you, you shouldn't really be disappointed with anyone unless they, they get injured. Yeah. Like another thing that I kind of like, like about running backs is their versatility. Like with uh, wide receivers, they can only get uh, receptions. But with running backs, they can get receptions or they can get rushing yards. Quarter quarterbacks, they are um, more versatile than running backs, but you only get two. It doesn't really make sense to have more than two running backs on a fantasy team, unless you're like in a league where you can have multiple um, quarterback starts at the same time. But or like a super flex where you can put a quarterback in your flex, that kind of thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that's like another thing that I kind of um, like about running backs. So it's like, even if you want to kind of skip out on a wide receiver and draft another running back and put that in your flex, I feel like that might actually be more reliable than trying to get as many wide receivers as you can. Yeah. And just speaking of wide receivers next week, we will be doing the top 12 uh, for our wide receivers uh, for half point PPR. Um, so definitely look out for that um, next episode. Uh, Nate, thanks for your time. Um, it was great comparing uh, running back lists. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to talking about wide receivers next week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that's the end of the uh, Fanatics football episode uh, from the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Uh, just keep an eye out on an NHL episode, everything NHL uh, coming uh, either Friday or Saturday. Um, And just uh, look out for another uh, Fanatics football episode uh, next week.